Ron Gilbert, and welcome to the weekly Thimbleweed Park stand-up meeting podcast. Every week, David Fox and Gary Winnick and I get together and talk about what we did last week and what we're going to do next week. And I am joined by David Fox and Gary Winnick. Hey. Hey. Uh, so what we'll do is uh, we'll go through and we'll talk about what each of us has done. And uh, I guess last week we did the the Friday questions, which was actually a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll probably maybe do that like once a month. I don't think, I don't know that it's worth doing every single week with stuff, but maybe like once a month, if that sounds good to you guys. Yeah, it sounds I'm good. Sure, yeah. yeah, a lot of good questions. Uh, okay, I'll go ahead and start. I don't start very often uh, with this stuff. So what I did last week uh, was uh, Gary put in the, the talking animations for the character, and I had to rework our animation system a little bit to make that work. The animation system, it can play different layers. So each of the actor animation files can have layers. And for the talking, you know, we've got the bodies and the heads as separate layers. But the way I had it set up was all the layers had to have the same number of frames. So, and it would kind of go through the animation steps. And I wanted to tweak it so each of the layers could have a different number of animation frames. And then as the animations played, things could get out of sync. You know, they didn't have to be completely in sync. And that was really necessary for the talking. So so that took a couple of days to get all of that stuff uh, stuff reworked. Um, just a lot of bug fixes. You know, as David goes through and wires things up, there's, you know, always bugs in the engine and bugs in the dev system I need to fix. So I fixed a lot of those, added a couple of new features. I did add uh, positional sounds to the sound system. So now uh, we can not only play an effect, but you can give it a location in the room and then it, you know, shows up or, you know, you hear it out of the left channel or right channel, uh, depending on whether things on the left and right, which actually sounds really cool. I was a lot of, having a lot of fun walking around and listening to the neon signs that David had put in, uh, you know, kind of come out of one channel into the other. So that was kind of neat. I also did a fairly long uh, playthrough of the game. What we're, one of the things we're trying to do is have a, a small demo area where so we can start showing the game publicly. And so I did a walkthrough just looking at all the little things that need to be done for that demo. And we're kind of shooting for that to be done by the 1st of November. So I wanted to kind of get a definitive list of everything that needed to be done. And uh, that was my week. David? Yeah, well, started with working on interactions with the disc jockey. Really excited to get Mark's final version of Main Street, which Ron just mentioned. So I got to wire that up uh, at interactive lighting or, or blinking lights and things like that. And then when I did the sound effects of this neon light on the far right, and you could hear it on the far left when you're at a park, um, I kind of had the thought that maybe Ron would do something with that to give us a way to to turn it off when you're at the other end, but positional sound was perfect. Yeah, it was funny because I, you know, I walked into the main street. Main street's quite a long room. I mean, that's like maybe five, six screens long, isn't it? Something like that. And I walked in and the neon sign is all the way to the right. And I walked in on the left and I could hear this neon sign. I thought, okay, that's got to change. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Which, had, you know, is one of the reasons I like writing my own engine, you know, because I can hear stuff like that and go, that's got to change. And then I just change it. Well, it's like, so whenever you do something like that, it's like a new toy for me. So I like to go in and and, and just add it wherever I can. And then that inspires me to add more sounds. And when you get to the far end of Main Street, when you go to the next room past that, you're in a place where there's crickets in the background. So I said, okay, well, there gotta, it has to be a blend. So I added 
positional sound crickets at the far right, so it fades in as you're getting close, and then it's it makes sense when you trans transition to the next room. Now, um, is this all stuff that you guys were able to do in the old days with sound and stuff like that, or is this all just new because of where we are technology-wise now that we're building a game today? Yeah, there was an in Monkey Island. Uh, there was not positional sound at all, so we, we didn't do we didn't do that kind of stuff back then. And I, and I, at least in the 80s, I don't think any of the, well, let's see, maybe, maybe some of them did. The early computers, like definitely Commodore 64, didn't have stereo. So you couldn't even do stereotype sound stuff like that and have it come in from one. Well, I know like the, um, you know, the, uh, like the Roland stuff was all stereo for the music. I don't remember whether the AdLib and the Sound Blaster cards were stereo or not. The Sound Blaster card was the first card that I ever played with that actually had digital stuff. But, you know, we had so little memory, it was hard to do, you know, a lot of digital effects with the Sound Buster card. But I don't remember whether they were stereo. Yeah, and of course, for a room where it's it's not scrolling much, it's not really important, but this this is really great. I mean, um, that's going to be pretty much for computers. You're not going to have that on a phone, or, are you, or will you have that on a phone? Yeah, they all have stereo. Yeah, and a lot of people, when they're playing these games on, you know, tablets and phones, they're wearing, um, they're wearing headsets, you know, or earbuds. So I think, you know, for them, the stereo stuff might actually be more important. So that was fun because Ron went through the walkthrough. I got about 10, 10 new bugs to fix. Some, some were like, you know, two-minute fixes and some were like all-day fixes. So I'm still working through that. Added fireflies on the opening scene. Worked on interactions in the diner and serving food and stuff like that. And I think that's about it. Serving the tasty food in the diner. The, like, the tasty uh, food. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I don't even want to talk no, about no it. Spoilers, <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right, Gary? Um, let me see here. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, working a lot on trying to get the animation sorted out, um, you know, pe- people don't see how many different permutations of stuff that we go through. When, when we actually have something running where there's, you know, I'll say a head bob or something like that. Ron and I have generally tried, you know, seven different ways to do it before we actually show anybody what we're doing. And what we're showing somebody is a work in progress. And it's probably going to change, you know, 10 more times from it's sort of been an adventure to kind of figure out how to organize the frames. I think we're close to figuring out how to organize it, you know, whether or not we we were keeping heads together or breaking them apart. Ultimately, we decided to break them apart. I think there's a lot more versatility in doing that. So that's looking good. And then Ron put that post up about the head bob to, to head bob or not to head bob. And it uh, once again, I'm amazed at how much controversy something like moving a head pix- one pixel or, or two seems to create when people look at something like that. You know, it's just, uh, it boggles my mind to a certain degree, but uh, definitely um, we're sort of honing in on doing that. I think the thing that we take away from that is maybe doing it less than we had planned. And it's kind of hard, once again, to know until you actually do that. So I think that we will have that figured out in the near term pretty soon, and then we will just be able to sort of proceed forward following a template for that in terms of its structure. So I'm getting reasonably comfortable with that. Also, we've been talking about getting together some of the actual, um, I will say, ancillary reward materials, particularly designing things like T-shirts and stuff like that. And that's an adventure into itself because that's sort of a whole different way to think about things. But definitely coming up with some of the, I will say, 
initial designs on some of the rewards because we can't let that slip through the cracks and we're getting you know some of those things figured out right now so that's kind of what i've spent my week on and i hate to say it but you know next week is going to be more um animation as well and it's just going to keep being the same thing for a while i'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record hopefully some other more interesting things come along but right now i have a lot of characters to animate okay thanks uh one thing i wanted to do kind of a, a new segment is i would like to just have each of us kind of state very quickly just one thing that scares them the most about the project right now oh boy so uh david what scares you the most right now um, I think it's the stuff we obviously the stuff we don't know about and the complexities we don't know about. Um, I think back to Maniac Mansion and how long we thought it would take versus how long it did take. I mean, we were a lot greener then, but still, it was a pretty huge difference. And I remember having to leave the project, go into something else after I think six months. I don't have a deadline at the end, but you guys sure do because of cash and everything else. So, you know, getting into the point where we start testing, realizing that there are thousands of combinations of things that we hadn't thought about that testers start finding. So just complexity upon complexity. Yeah, and Gary, what scares you the most? Well, David took my answer. No, um... What, David, David scares you the most? You know, David, uh, David took my answer. That scares me the most. No, actually... <laughs> I, I kind of tend to agree with David that the thing that scares me the most is although I feel we've done really well and we're in a really we've made good progress over the last I'm going to say six months between now and I would say over the next six to eight months I have a fear's not the right word but a certain amount of concern relative to how much we have to to do so the amount of just the sheer volume of I'll say just from the standpoint of on the artistic side, the sheer volume of rooms and animation that we have to basically take to finish between now and the end of the game. It concerns me as to whether or not, you know, we're going to have to do any more cutting or where that's going to go in terms of, are we going to have to slide the date? I certainly don't want to slide the date. I know we have an awful lot of stuff to do. So the, I, I guess I'm going to say the volume of material that needs to be produced between now and the end of the project is scaring me. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. I think that's the thing that scares me the most is just the the volume of work that has to be done. And your projects I've worked on in the past, you know, when it gets to that stage where there's just a lot of stuff, you know, you kind of throw bodies at it. And we don't necessarily have the luxury of throwing bodies at it. And since I'm, you know, uh, you know, dealing a lot with the budget and the money, you know, because that's kind of the the thing that I do on the project is that you know i'm just you looking at the bank account going down every single month you know and it's you know i mean we're, we're i think we're still fine but it's just looking at the amount of work and and realizing that we can't throw bodies at the problem and so and realizing okay well we're just we're gonna have to be smart about how we work and that that kind of scares me yeah i mean people i'm gonna say this when i say people in quotations i'm not necessarily talking about our fans i'm just talking about kind of in general don't realize how much money this stuff costs and how what the burn rate is associated with something like this and you as i will say person who's who's responsible for a project have to be very conscious of what how much money you're burning and how fast you're burning it because it, it's not an infinite supply you will run out it's not like working at lucasfilm where george lucas can just you know push a button and and you know you had, <laughs> and money would fall out of the sky yeah money just kind of <laughs> fell out of the sky when you were you know it's it's not like that i think i think the thing that 
that I'm very conscious of is, you know, a bunch of Kickstarter projects have essentially run out of money and, you know, they've had to either go back and ask for more money or they just haven't finished. And, you know, that's always in the back of my mind, you know, because I don't want to be one of those projects. You know, I want to, and I, and I think so far we've done a really good job of, you know, managing, you know, budget and scope and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, it's just, it's just constantly keeping all that stuff in check is, is one of those things that scares me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I'll say this out loud. Ron pays a lot of attention to that. I give him credit for paying attention to it because it's not the type of thing that I think is second nature to Ron, but Ron is doing a really good job of staying on top of that. But as I said, and somebody has to do that. And generally I worry that, you know, if it's, you know, sort of your, I'm going to use the word, your main focal creative guy doing that on top of it. That's a lot of responsibility and burden for that person. So appreciate it, Ron. I hope that we, you know, get going well enough to, you know, be able to hire people who can do that for us. Yeah, I would. I I think the one role that I wish we had in the project is a producer. I wish we had somebody that could, you know, manage the schedule and be looking after the budget and doing all those things that I'm doing right now, because it is taking a significant amount of my time to do a lot of that stuff. I wanted to say one thing too about that, which I, I think it's good that you're that we're all worried about this because if we weren't then the chance of having the project below you know get huge or get much bigger you know feature creep is much greater and i think we're being much more careful about deciding what to add and what not to add yeah it's it's a lot easier uh to to be concerned about you know things like feature creep when you know it's your own money you're spending as opposed yeah. to you know some company's money and it's all kind of nebulous about where all this money comes from right it's easier it's easy to say well we'll just throw another artist at it but it's a lot harder when you know you're actually looking at the bank account go down you know every month on top of that those pesky artists expect to be paid nowadays so. yeah what is up with that yeah i don't know what yeah, is maybe. up with that okay well thanks a lot guys all right take care all right bye bye bye